the grace and the peace of our Lord be with all of us gathered here and all of the Lord's church gathered in all places around God's good world. I want to welcome you into this uh, time of study, a time in which we begin a new series today, and I want to welcome those who are in the Family Life Center worshiping with us and those who are part of our extended Johns Creek family online, tuning in with our live stream. Welcome to this, uh, this brand new series and a, a new exploration of God's word, and as we prepare mind and heart for it, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, in this moment, we pause for just long enough to acknowledge we can blow right by you. We can absolutely, completely ignore the multitude of ways that you attempt to rise up and grab our attention every day of the week. Lord, in our blurred consciousness, we pray for just a few moments of clarity. We pray that for just a few moments, you might be able to create some space within each of our hearts that we might be able to imagine what you would have us to think, feel, be, do in this world this week because you have loved us. Lord, we have brought all kinds of, of stuff into this room, into this campus, into this moment. Even now, as we have been worshiping, we have brought all kinds of hopes and hurts. And some of us have brought a, a wide range of expectations, and maybe even some of us have brought no expectation whatsoever. We pray that you would overwhelm all of us. Even as we have already earlier acknowledged the pain in this world with the two shootings this weekend, we lift those families up before you and pray for your grace which is sufficient to be sufficient in their lives but not only their lives ours as well so that somehow as we bring all of life into this moment all of the cosmos itself would lean into your truth so that we may be shaped by it and never the same again we pray in Christ's name, amen. It was six men of Indostan to learning much inclined who went to see the elephant, though all of them were blind, that each by observation might satisfy his mind. The first approached the elephant, and happening to fall against his broad and sturdy side, at once began to bawl, God bless me, but the elephant is very like uh, a wall. The second feeling of the tusk cried, Whoa, what have we here? So very round and smooth and sharp to me, tis mighty clear. This wonder of an elephant is very like a spear. The third approached the animal and happening to take the squirming trunk within his hands, thus boldly up and spake, I see, quote he, the elephant is very like a snake. The fourth reached out his eager hand and felt about the knee. What most this wondrous beast is like is mighty plain, quote he. 
is clear enough the elephant is very like a tree. The fifth who chanced to touch the ear said, even the blindest man can tell what this resembles most. Deny the fact. Who can? This marvel of an elephant is, is very like a fan. The sixth no sooner had begun to, about the beast to grope than seizing on the swinging tail that fell within his scope. I see, quote he, the elephant is very like a rope. And so these men of Indistan disputed loud and long, each in his own opinion, exceeding stiff and strong, though each was partly in the right and all were in the wrong. Moral. So oft in theologic wars the disputants, I ween, rail on in utter ignorance of what each other mean and prate about an elephant not one of them has seen. Usually this late 19th century poem by John Godfrey Sachs is, is used to encourage a little dose of humility whenever we gather around great mysteries like the mystery of God. That in our dialogue with one another to, to remember that we've seen in part but not the whole now, I love that poem, and it's meant for another purpose, but for today, I want to tell you, I think of that poem differently as we begin this new series, because the elephant in the room for the 21st century, here and now, in this current age, the elephant is the church, the church of Jesus Christ. See, I believe to my core that the church is intended to be the visible presence of the risen Christ in the world. That means that we have the capacity to host immense power to be able to enflesh the body of Christ. To, as one writer says, to body forth into this world expressions of love and compassion and justice to be able to bring reconciliation to a, a torn apart world, to be peacemakers. That's the power of the living body of Christ in this world. That's why I am here and you are here. But the trouble is, depending on your experience, the world is filled with sisters and brothers we love, neighbors, loved ones, who for whatever reason, and maybe a thousand different reasons, grope about in the dark, and if they come across some expression of a church somewhere, they may experience abuse. Someone else may have an encounter with the church and may experience scandal. It might be that Someone you know is groping around in the dark and the only experience they have is with someone in the church who was more filled with hate and animosity than with Christ-like love. Or maybe their experience as they grope about trying to find what this animal is is they experienced a church that was really more about what they were against than what they were for. And they walk away from those encounters with a whole host of assumptions about what the elephant is, about, about who we are as the body of Christ. And I'm telling you, the stakes could never be higher for the body of Christ 
to demonstrate in the world what we are intended to be. And I'm not just talking about the stakes are high for the universal church and how the worldwide church is doing a bad job at presenting Christ. I'm not just talking about universally. Brothers and sisters, I'm talking about we're one parking lot away from McGinnis Ferry Road where every day tens of thousands of people drive by our campus. And what do they see? Or what do they think they see as they attempt to put something? When they see our beautiful steeple, then do they assume, well, that's just like every other big steeple church I've ever experienced. Or when they see our sign that says Johns Creek Baptist Church, do they grope around in the dark and say, yeah, I know those folks, and whoo. What assumptions do they carry around? Because it's not just about looks and names and appearances. What's at stake is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So today I want to start a new conversation because you and I know differently. (laughs) If you've been around JCBC long enough, you know what I'm going to be referring to as the JCBC experience. That is, maybe it's something you can't put your finger on. You can't really identify it exactly with words, but you know that if you get here, you will be loved. You you will be welcomed. If something falls apart in your life, there is somebody in your Sunday school community, somebody in these hallways, somebody sitting on campus right now who's going to pay attention to that, and it's unlike any place I've ever seen. And I've worked and lived and served in many places. Beloved, I have served as senior pastor in three churches, served on staff in multiple churches, preached in the pulpits of countless churches all over the, the, the southeast and up and down the coast. And I'm telling you, there is something different about you there is. And I'm telling you this not to, not to make you feel good about yourselves. Because I got a call not too long ago. I told some of you this. Somebody said, hey, what kind of people do you have at your church? I said, what kind of question is that? What do you mean, what kind of people do I have at your church? Well, at John's Creek. What kind of people go to John's Creek? And I said, the same kind go to your church. They said, what, what's that? And I said, sinners. <laughs> Broken. Imperfect. Imperfect people with unfinished stories, that's who we are. But I'm telling you, in the context of this imperfect people with unfinished stories, there's something beautiful about you. And a few months ago, in in part of our vision process, our long-range strategic planning process, we talked about how do we get the story of who we are at JCBC to be known by a world groping about in the dark, trying to recognize the possibility of being a part of a community of faith that matters. And we said that there is a certain set of core values that make up who we are. And we looked at those core values, we massaged some of the language, we put them in words. Back in May, the church affirmed it, said, yep, that's us. And in your worship guide, there's a list of those core values. There are about seven core values that in some ways wrap words around the experience that in many ways, you just have to be here to see it, taste it, touch it, smell it, feel it, to know what I'm talking about. But I want to give our church the capacity to share a common language so that when you are trying to describe to those who are longing, hungry, thirsty, searching for a place to belong, you're able to use the same language that we're using to describe what it means to be a part of this amazing body of believers. Now at the top of that insert in your worship guide, there is kind of a summary statement about all of our core values. 
And I just wanna give it air. I just wanna let it fly for just a moment and let it settle upon you because this will be the subject of our two-month study. Listen to what we think we are becoming with who God is making us to be for our current time and our current place in this current age. Listen to these words. John's Creek Baptist Church seeks to be a free and faithful voice of the gospel, witnessing with integrity to Jesus Christ and the mission of the church. The church believes in and dedicates itself to preserving and practicing historic Baptist principles, freedoms, and traditions. We value excellence in worship, theological depth and diversity, authentic Christian community, deliberate church growth, congregational courage, responsible Christian stewardship, and a missional consciousness where every member is mobilized to serve. And over the course of today and the next seven or eight weeks, we're going to drill down deeply into what each of those core values means, why does it matter, and how can we talk about this to a world around us longing for a place to belong? How do we say to them that we're that kind of church? But before we get into describing all of the values that give us our character and our, our sense of uh, quirky idiosyncrasy that everything that makes us who we are there's one thing that I have to get down to today that if I don't get down to it nothing else will matter we're going to talk about all of these core values all the the parts that go into making up the JCBC experience but if we don't talk about what I'm about to talk about today none of it matters none of it and to do so I want to show you this many of you some of you have have these in your home these are it's a, a Russian doll. What's the name of this thing? Yeah, one of those. I borrowed this from Marika Chassie today. And the, the, the cool thing about this is you can take out these dolls, and each one that you take out, well, surprise, there's another one inside. You've seen these before. This is a beautiful set she got in Russia when she was there. I'm just going to take all these out here because I want them to serve as a kind of parable for us. Because with each layer, it just gets tinier and tinier. And you see with each layer that there's always more on the interior than you may have first assumed. And as you continue to break it down and go smaller and smaller, lo and behold, this one really breaks down nicely. Smaller and smaller. Look at that. All the way down to oh, one more. Look at that. Yeah. You can even break it down to the tiniest. <laughs> doll that hides on the inside. Whoop. Okay. Oh, watch. Another. Goes smaller and smaller. This is just gorgeous. All right. I'm going to set this up here. And because I'm a visual guy, I'm going to come down here. Pick this little girl back up, okay? So it finishes the picture. Yeah. And that's as far as it breaks down, down to the very center. I'm going to put her right there. But I want to put this out in front of us just as a visual reminder that every church has its set of core values and distinctives. Every church. And we can talk all day long, and we will, <laughs> about our 
excellence in worship and our theological uh, depth and diversity, about our authentic Christian community. We can talk all day about congregational courage all the way down to recover all seven of the core values. But unless we talk about what's at the very center, none of it matters. And I'm here to tell you, the thing that is at the very center of everything that we do at Johns Creek, the one thing that fuels everything and feeds and funds everything that we attempt to do, In some places you've heard me say, it's the thing behind the thing. And it's this. Everything we have ever attempted or will ever attempt to do at Johns Creek must be built upon the sure and certain foundation of Jesus, the Lord of life, the Christ of God. It is he who is the head of the body of the church. That's how Colossians puts it. He's the head of the body. The pastor's not the head of the body. The the deacons are not the head of the body. A committee, thank God, is not the head of a, a body, right? It is Christ who is at the head. Do you know what the writer of Ephesians says? The writer of Ephesians says that Christ himself is like a a chief cornerstone, the capstone, the keystone that holds everything together. If you remove it, it all collapses. In Psalm 11, verse 3, we hear these words, if the foundations are destroyed, where or what will the righteous do? Jesus even talked this way. He said, look, you can build your life upon two kinds of foundations. He says, there was once a man who built his life a house upon the sand. And he built the house, and it was beautiful, but when the the rains fell and the floods rose and and the winds beat and blew against the house, mighty was the fall because it was built on the shifting sand. But there was another man who built his house upon the rock, the foundation, and when he was finished, it was beautiful. The rains fell, the same floods rose, the winds beat and blew against the house, but his house remained steady and sure because it had been built on the foundation, what I'm telling you, my brothers and sisters, I don't care how impressive we can be with our programs, our Bible studies, our preaching, our singing, I don't care how we can dazzle the world with our talent and ability, it will all crumble to the ground if it is not built upon the sure foundation of Jesus Christ. We sang a little while ago a hymn in the traditional worship service. The church's one foundation Is Jesus Christ her Lord. Earlier, I even heard, Bob, you were playing a prelude that included, um, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name, on Christ the what? The solid rock I stand, all other ground is shifting sand, all other ground is sinking sand. He is the one who said, I am the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father but through me. Now the older I get, the longer I walk with Christ, the more I interpret that that verse in in a brand new way. You know, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, Right? The more I pay attention to what Jesus said, the more I pay attention to the teachings and his way of life, the more I interpret that verse to read this way. The Jesus way is the truth about life. The Jesus way 
is the truth about life. What do I mean by that? The Jesus way. What way is that? Beloved, it's the way of the self-emptying life. The Jesus way is the way of, of relinquishment. It's the way of taking up our cross and following him. The Jesus way. In the first century, do you know the first followers? There was no institutional church. There were no church budgets, no church committees. It, they were part of the way. They were even called the way because they recognized that following this person meant that it changed the way they existed in the world. That means if they saw someone who was hungry, they would move heaven and earth to make sure that they ate a meal that day. If they saw someone who was thirsty, they would make sure to give them a cup of cold water in Jesus' name. If they met someone who was a stranger and had no place to lay their head, they would welcome them with a radical hospitality that said, my table has a seat for you and you can lay your head here. They were the ones who agreed to a way of life that said, if you are sick and in prison, I will be present with you and attend your needs until the thing that keeps you bound has set you free. To be a part of the Jesus way is what I think the world is groping for in the dark. To find someone who has chosen to exist differently in the world. Do you realize how compelling it is when you meet someone who looks and behaves and lives and exists like Jesus. Not just in word, but in demonstration and action. I am the way, the truth, the life. The Jesus way is the truth about life. The truth. What does that mean? Well, you, do you remember in 2004, there was an election in the Ukraine and you may remember this story that, 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 was, that occupied much of the, the news at the time. Uh, one of the challengers to, to the, the presidency that, that day, that, that year, was uh, a man named Viktor Yushchenko. He was a pro-democracy candidate who, who made a bid for the presidency and actually ended up winning. But the, the corrupt government that was in place, the state-run government, Moscow-backed government, twisted the election results. And on the evening of the election, you may remember the story, this was the candidate who was mysteriously poisoned. Remember this? And his face became distorted. They didn't understand how or why, almost died. The night of the election, this story blows my mind. On TV, there's the screen, the TV screen, and the journalist from the state-run media is, is announcing that Yushchenko was soundly defeated today. But in the lower right-hand corner of the screen, there was a woman doing sign language to the deaf community. And she refused to sign the message that was being uh, sent out by the government-run media. She said in sign, Yushchenko won. I can't sign these lies. Yushchenko is your president. Spread the word. The deaf community began to spread the word with each other and organize with each other. Other journalists followed suit and began against every safe measure to tell the truth. 
And then there began what became known as the Orange Revolution. A million people showed up in the capital city of Kiev to protest and demand another um, election, and Yushchenko was elected soundly. And I stepped back from that memory, and I think to myself, this is the parable of the church of the 21st century. Because our lives exist with this big screen TV that is filled with a thousand lies. Lies about, about the ways we are to exist in the world. There are a thousand ways to exist. You can exist by the way of self-servanthood. You can exist by the way of rejecting those who are in need. You can exist by the way of uh, fear and exclusion as opposed to inclusion and wealth. You can live by that way. But in the bottom right-hand corner is the church. The church of the living Christ saying, those ways are not the way. That's not the truth about the way that leads to life. And this is what the church is called to be. This is what I want John's Creek to be known for. We are the truth tellers so that we demonstrate by our actions a better way to exist in the world that truly sets us free. The Jesus way is the truth about life. What kind of life? Well, in John 10, 10, Jesus said, I came, you know, the thief comes for one reason. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. The abundant life that we believe Jesus came to provide for us and that we promote and preach here at Johns Creek is, is not the abundant life that's defined by having more and better and faster and slicker and smoother, but rather it's a life that is characterized by more joy, by uh, contentment, a life filled with reconciled relationships and forgiveness and grace a life in which it's characterized by peace with each other and peace with God and even peace, which is sometimes the hardest, with ourselves. That's the abundant life that Jesus comes to offer. The Jesus life is the truth about life. The Jesus way is the truth about life. But we believe here that the way you come to that life is through a personal relationship with this man. A personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So everything we attempt to do here, every sermon, every song, every mission, every ministry, every program, every Bible study, is so that we create a, an environment conducive for the possibility of you having an encounter with the living Christ. And having that encounter with the living Christ will transform everything about the way you choose to exist in the world. And that's why right now, you are invited to consider, have you welcomed that kind of relationship into your life? Because I guarantee you one thing. The people who I know make up the Johns Creek Baptist Church would move heaven and earth to make sure that you know this man as your personal Savior and Lord and guide for the rest of your life. You know why they would do that? Because they're that kind of church. Let's pray together. God, we, we pray that this is true, that we are that kind of church that we hold as our highest priority 
empowering people to have an encounter with you that transforms everything. And we pray that in this moment, right here and now, you would make that possibility a reality. For there is someone gathered on this campus whose heart may be burning because they recognize that you are calling them to a yielded life, a life that looks so different than the one they're living. Someone is here who recognizes that the way of life they have chosen is always going to lead in disappointment at best and self-destruction at worst. So show us what it looks like to take a new way of life upon ourselves, to be forgiven of our sins, cleansed of all of our unrighteousness and made new, holy again. Even now as we sing, Lord, and we, we pray and we commit our lives back to you, we pray that you would move in someone's heart today. Make today the first day of the new way they live this life. And we pray these things in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.